0: Welcome back to the Extension Experience Podcast. My name is Trent Malachi. I'm Dana Zook.
1: And Josh Bisham.
2: Trent, so I guess we have a little news for the podcast listeners. You are done with Extension at the end of the month. It's kind of weird to say that that way. Yeah. So um, you're you're going on to greener pastures, I right? Don't,
0: I don't know if they're greener or not. I don't,
2: I don't know. We're hoping they are for you. I certainly
0: don't want to be done with Extension. Well, no. I, I, hate, I hate to think about it that way, but yes, I have accepted employment with another company and my final day with Extension will be February 27th.
2: So you broke this to Josh and I a couple of weeks ago, so we've been trying to wrap our heads around it. Since you're leaving Extension, why don't you tell us some of the more fun things that you've done in Extension?
0: Extension's been a great place to work. I mean, I have a lot of great memories. I enjoy presenting and educating farmers. And again, it, just to to sell the job to other people. I mean, it is a fantastic opportunity to help your fellow man. And that's that's one of the main things I think about when I look back on Extension is when when was I happiest? It was when I was working individually with producers on real problems that they yeah. had. And if I go back in time... You and I started almost the same time. I started at the end of June in 2014. And if everybody remembers, that was the big new Farm Bill was coming out. So a little bit of baptism by fire there where I came in and I had to get up to speed really quickly on Farm Bill. Did a couple of trips across the country to, to learn about Farm Bill and then went full bore on trying to pretend like I knew what I was doing. <laughs>
2: Don't we yeah. all do that? Right.
0: Just a little bit. <laughs> I mean, that that is a lot of extension is we might look like experts. We're just really confident in what we have to say. <laughs> and then you hope you hope a lot of that stuff comes across as being useful to other people. But uh, man, whenever we started out, if any of you saw my thesis defense, you would know that I'm was going to have an uphill battle when it came to public speaking oh. and, and, and talking about things and, and convincing other people that I knew what I was talking about. But it was a fun ride there at the beginning and just meeting after meeting after meeting, talking to producers and, and understanding the fact that, you know, the government programs and, and all the assistance that comes about, whether you like it or not, it exists and you have to play the game. And that's one of the things I look at, it, you know, risk management on farms as a whole is just an elegant process to to really look at and try to maneuver. And if you aren't understanding government programs and you aren't utilizing them, you're putting yourself at a disadvantage. And there's people that don't engage in it because of principles. And I totally understand that. Uh, A lot of people don't like handouts and things like that. But, you know, we spent Quite a bit of time analyzing ARC and PLC and trying to decide what was best for producers and making a lot of assumptions that ended up being wrong.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Early on,
0: you did and, that. Yeah. And I look back on that, and that's probably been the gut punch of my entire career is when I look back on that Farm Bill education, because at that time wheat prices were were fairly high. And the the baseline price for PLC in that program is $550. And we at many meetings, you know, wheat was trading six fifty seven dollars somewhere in there at that time, and and we kept talking. Do you really think wheat prices will go below five fifty? Do you think that'll ever happen? And most of the comments from the crowd was, "Well, we'll go broke if that happens." And so, with that information and in a five year timeline, we decided that ARC or agricultural risk coverage was the best option for our producers, and a lot of people signed up in ARC. We also knew at that time that we were gonna have a payment coming in and you know, it was kind of some money in the hand right at the right at the front that you knew you were gonna get. It wouldn't be a year or two after that, wheat prices tanked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and there were some really smart guys that signed up for PLC, and that I'm sure made them incredibly competitive compared to their neighbors for the next few years. And again, I just I look back on that and I was like, man, I wish wish I could have known because I felt, one, I felt like I let a lot of people down, but it was just an estimation, you know, like mm-hmm. we we're just doing our best to try to determine what was going to happen. And thinking back on that with wheat prices, they got down to LDP levels. I mean, we're talking in mm-hmm. below $3. Yeah. You know, yeah. The way that program makes payments, 550 minus whatever the, the marketing year average price is, that's big payments. Mm-hmm. That's really big payments. So that was... That was a good experience for me, I guess. It humbled me a lot. Uh, as I've matured through my career in Extension, that's something that I hope has happened is I've become a little less uh, just run around and, and say whatever I think is is the topic of the day and really think about long-term implications and, and try to help people understand the, the entire gravity of a decision that they're making.
2: Well, I would say probably there wasn't a lot of... The, I mean, Extension, we were the experts and um so i i think it was i don't even think it was a mistake i think it's just an honest thing you're trying to help people so that's that's what we do in extension we do our best right
0: yeah i mean there were some private industry that were, were helping people but that's the cool thing about extension is its ability to respond quickly to problems that affect large groups of people in this case every farmer that participated in government programs and i think as always, you know it's a good thing to learn and a good thing to think about. Is the faster you have to make decisions, the less information you've been able to gather. And moving forward in life, as as you think about that, and as extension works in the future, you talk about wildfires and things mm-hmm. like that. You know, you do your best to get information and get things done as quickly as possible. And you hindsight's twenty twenty, and you and that time is important. You know, looking back and thinking about what worked, what didn't. It won't be the same next time, but just having a little more uh, wherewithal to try to think longer term in a period of crisis, you know, to try to try to help people in the best way.
2: Yeah, I think one of the cooler programs that you put on was one that you did in a couple areas. Wasn't it a couple county, multi-county things like marketing 101, something like that? Didn't you do that? Maybe you just did an alfalfa county. I don't remember exactly, but I had tended yeah. some of those. That was a cool. i almost forgot about that. Hands on <laughs> type of thing. Yeah. I mean, it was it was more than just, mm. here's just a noon meeting. We're going to talk about all this stuff. It was kind of like a how to marketing type thing.
0: That's a lesson in for the consumer of our product the Oklahoma taxpayer and beyond. Mm -hmm. If there's something you want to learn from extension, either get on a PAC committee, talk to your county educator and request programs. Because sometimes I'll admit you can get in a rut and talk about the same thing you've talked about for the last five years. (laughs) You know, that's kind of the default that you go to. If If you don't know what people want to know, that's what you'll do. That marketing program came out of those low price scenario years, you know, what can we do? Is there anything we can do? And and typically that's when you shouldn't be the most concerned about it because, you know, farmers, whenever prices are low, they think, what can we do about it? What can we do? And there isn't much you can do. Mm-hmm. The time to have done something was to sell wheat for three years back whenever the price was high. <laughs> you know, again, right. hindsight's twenty twenty. But whenever prices are good, no one really thinks about the future. It's good right now. I'm not concerned about it. So that's kind of what bred that program you know, to come about and we sat down and it was really cool because we got to spend more classroom time instructing producers. We went through examples on pieces of paper where I wasn't just barking at you from the front of the room. <laughs> and we actually went through some particular examples and real world price scenarios where you made decisions. And then we looked at historical data about how prices moved. And then we kind of evaluated our decisions after that. And you know, crop insurance was a part of that. Government programs can be brought into that. So that was a really cool program. But it takes a lot of time. And again, thinking about producers and in your professional life as being a lifelong learner, it's incredibly easy to not have time for that type of thing. Mm -hmm. And I find myself, especially that within services and professional trainings and stuff, I get so caught up in what I'm doing day to day, I forget about the importance of improving myself. And once I get there, I'm always happy. Like I tend to try to go to a meeting in Atlanta every year and I don't make it every year because I get busy or whatnot. And I hate the flying. I hate airports. I don't like any of that. But man, once I get there, it's, in, it's an incredibly useful experience. And, you know, producers, as, as time goes on, that'll be something to really think about. You can You can get pieces of information from the ticker along the bottom of the screen. You can read a quick email but that sit down instruction, that in-depth analysis of your operations is really what's crucial. And we spend so much time in the operation, driving tractors, picking up seed, Mm -hmm. taking care of cows, pulling calves, that at the end of the day, pretty soon, you've forgotten that you might've gone five to 10 years and never really thought about a new way to do things. And so that was a pretty cool program because not very many people did it. And there's more interest in it now I've I've heard a few counties talking about wanting to to do something like that, more in depth marketing meetings. So, again, that'll be something that hopefully gets offered uh, here in the future. A few more
1: places. I know Trent, we've done a lot of meetings together, and I think it goes without a doubt one of the big aspects you brought to your programs was personal experience. Obviously, you're mm. our cow calf producer, you're a grain farmer, yeah. So you can relate when inputs are high, crop prices are low. Hard decisions that have to be made. It's easy just to show numbers and go on, but putting that value to those numbers, I think you've always done a great job, and I think the producers have also obviously seen that as well. So,
0: well, what you forgot to mention to that was it was an incredible crutch for me. Yeah,
2: because
0: <laughs> the best thing you can do when you don't know what to talk about is to "misery loves company" type <laughs> of thing.
2: Glass so, half full, trick. Yeah. Come on, let's do.
0: <laughs> so, so you talk to people, you everybody likes someone that that understands the situation and yeah that's been some criticism of the university system over the years is not enough real world experience and right. a whole lot of theoretical uh, instruction yeah and the theoretical instruction is great that's how a lot of people learn but being able to say that, you know, I purchased LRP and this is what happened to me, the actual numbers, and this is how it worked. That's always been a staple of my program. And again, it is a crutch because that's the easier way to do it. Yeah. If you don't have those experiences, you have to be much more deliberate. It takes time. you got to make contacts in the industry. you got to talk to farmers and use their data. So yes, Josh, that has been a, that's been a great deal for me. Uh, made fun of myself a lot for some of the cropping decisions I made. <laughs> Because I can sit up at the front of the room and tell you, you can solve all your weed issues in weed if you just plant summer crops. But then when I plant soybeans and none of them make and I have to collect insurance checks and I lose money, to me, then I think, all right, I can tell farmers to do this, but that's a hard decision to make. Yeah. You know, and, and I know the ramifications of if it doesn't work. And you know, I remember when uh, Clearfield Wheat came out and, and everyone was talking about it, just plant Clearfield Wheat there was I ran some budgets where it was cheaper to just spray glyphosate and not grow a wheat crop. Yeah. Back when the wheat <laughs> price was so cheap. And I I offered that information. You know, I, I didn't know what else to do. I was like, you know, sometimes doing less is better. Right. And and that's where we talked about, you know, making a hay crop out of it, grazing out, different things. The economics are always so important. And I love agronomy talks because there's options, options, options. Same way with animal science. I mean, like feeding, options, options, options. And then you ask everybody, what do you do? And we buy 20% cubes and we plant wheat. Yeah. Why is that?
2: <laughs> well, it's easy, right? It's One, the easy well, option. we talked
0: about lifelong education. Yeah. That's the thing they know the most. And what can I get in my backyard? What's the easiest thing for me to do? Because I don't have time to go searching for new things. And I think that's the biggest limitation that you run into. So, again, you can get a lot of a lot of mileage, especially as an extension educator, out of educating the suppliers, the co-ops, and you've done a lot of that, Dana, talking to co-ops about yeah. feeder calibrations, helping people understand rations, the the different things. Because if they offered a thirty-eight percent cube, more people would use it. But it's that it's that push and pull thing right. where you know. We've always had the farmer asked for twenties, so they supply twenties. Well, if they ask for thirty-eights, it's not there, so they go back to twenties. And then the co-op side of it or, or whatever feed supplier you're mm-hmm. talking about buys 38s and they mold in the bin because not enough people bought them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, that push-pull of trying to get, you know, those early adopters involved and in buying from one place is incredibly difficult. You know, the farming landscape has changed so much because people buy inputs online, they buy it out of trucks that deliver it straight to your farm. So the, the local suppliers have a lot of competition there. But that's the thing when, when you're educating is it's a whole supply chain issue. And when it comes to grain farming and cattle, we are not vertically integrated. And that offers opportunities and it offers limitations.
2: Right. That's that's excellent advice, Trent. I mean, we need to just educate the entire industry, Josh. That's our role going forward. <laughs> not gonna be art at all but i i do see uh, it's exactly what it is trent i mean that's where we continue to educate we continue to provide you know information to producers and and hopefully it gets back to the 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 suppliers and, and that sort of thing
0: well looking at it a different way i hope you could take it as we're not all as independent as we think we are right and each individual farm is operated by usually one guy or or a foreman or someone and in his little world. He's incredibly important, but he operates based on what everyone else around him can give him. You know, what, what do your local suppliers have? We talk about that in, in selecting wheat varieties, Josh. Yeah. You, you can pick the best wheat variety out of a trial. My gosh, this is the awesome thing. I want it. And you go to your local seed supplier guy and he's like, I have Gallagher. Yeah. And that's what you're going to buy. <laughs> and, and you end up buying it because that's simple.
1: Even recent, you know, herbicide selection or even any other inputs, availability has been an issue as well. Mm-hmm. So, or I can get up there and say, you need to spray this, that, or the other. And you can come back, well, that's $50 per acre we can't afford. So,
0: yeah.
2: <laughs> right. Here's all this information. Yeah. I can't afford it anyway.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: I want to put on 1846. Well, we have 1152 Yeah. 1846 won't be here until next week. I need it today and I need it today. You know, So again, being, being able to, to move on the fly and, and make changes is always incredibly important. And that's the great thing about the extension service. You know, if you want, it sounds a little bit corny to say it that way, but you know, it is that unbiased source of information where we don't have a dog in the fight of selling you something. And, you know, getting getting that information. If somebody offers you something that you don't quite understand, run that by somebody who's independent and they can give you the information, the research based information to help you with that choice.
2: I think those are probably the best salesmen, too, that really want to sell you the best product that works for you. Mm-hmm. I guess that's what I think now that I have I was in sales and now that I'm an extension person, like you get yeah. a lot more bang out of that. But Trent, we've I just appreciate you being here. I don't know what it's going to be like because you've been here since I. I mean, I I showed up and there was no area specialists um, in 2014. Then they slowly moved in, and so we've been kind of a team for a while. But I don't know how we'll handle the economics, Josh. But we'll do our best, right? Yeah. I'm not a numbers person, but. <laughs>
0: well, you talked about optimism. It'll The meetings will be much more optimistic now. Mm. Well, true. You, you just do gloss over all that negativity. You and... do
2: have a bit of cynicism, but we all know you and appreciate it. Oh, no. definitely. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. It really goes into my com- comedian routine there.
2: Yeah, they appreciate it. I do know that the, the value is there and to having that firsthand experience. So, um,
0: yeah. Eight, well, and a, eight and a half years or so, I think, is how long I've been here. So it's not a long time. You talk to the seasoned guys in extension that have been here 30 plus years. You're just brand new, but really in, in terms of things, there's not a whole lot of mid-career guys in extension. So it's Great. kind of that gap. You got a lot of new people that you need to learn with and, and help them learn their job. And then we're going to have a little bit of turnover here in the next few years as the old guard moves on. And mm-hmm. so it'll be interesting and Glad to continue to help people whenever I can, and I'm not moving anywhere too far. I'm still going to be in Enid, so still operate in this territory, so I hope to work with you guys in the future, too.
2: Yeah. can You you want to tell the listeners where you're actually going?
1: Yeah,
0: I'll be going to Comark Equity Alliance.
2: Okay. So, so you're just down the road, Josh. Yeah.
1: I still have lunch buddy, I guess. Yeah. It's only two miles
2: away. You're 2.30 p.m. <laughs> lunch buddy. <Yeah. laughs> We're just so happy for you and your family. Well, thank you, guys. It's it's been a ride. I've yeah. learned a lot. Yeah. And you so. kind of started the podcast, so that that I appreciate that. I don't. I, you're going to have to take some calls from me because some of these like <laughs> behind the scene things are like, um, they're a little bit more complicated. Yeah, I imagine I you
0: guys will hear from me again a few times. Yeah, yeah.
2: we'll get you on the podcast again, just under a, new, a, a different company.
1: And you won't have to edit this time. So
2: yeah, no editing. <laughs> uh. I got to where I didn't edit it
1: very much anyway. I <laughs> <laughs> <all> Noticed. But... <laughs>
2: well uh this has been a great episode we want to put kind of like a a final the final frosty on the cake for trent going forward it'll be josh and i um if you have insight into things you want to cover if you want trent on still you'll have to send us an email and we'll get him on here
1: happy trails friend
2: happy trails thank you guys we'll catch you next time